on today's show. Who's the most important Dallas Maverick? We'll talk about that and answer more of your questions on today's Locked On Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Locked On Mavericks. Welcome to the Mavericks. NBA champion. He hit it. Bang! Bang! It's good. And the Mavericks have won the game. If you don't believe, you shouldn't be here. Loyalty never fades away. Welcome, you are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for being part of the show and making Locked On Mavs your first listen today. The best way you can help us grow the show is to listen every day and to comment anything below. Let me know in the comment section, who are the Ma- who are the five most important Mavericks? Let me know in the comment section. In order, five most important Mavericks. Not just the list, but in order. Let us know. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase at GameTime. Answering some of your questions today. Did a mailbag on subtext. If you want to text me, get text alerts from me and all that kind of stuff on Mavs stuff. One subtexter said, I would pay 20 bucks for this. You don't have to pay that much for it. You pay less. And uh, they said that this is like Mavs AI. Imagine if you just wanted alerts on everything as a Dallas Mavericks fan. Uh, then subtext is probably for you. So all these questions will come from that and come from subtext. If you want the rest of the answers and if you want your question answered, I put them all in a Google Doc and I send it all back to you so every question gets answered, which I think people appreciate. And so this is all from subtext. Let's start with the first. We got a bunch of questions here. Some of the ones I'll go through is about Rashawn Holmes. Did Rashawn Holmes just prove that he should be the backup center for the Mavericks? Did he just overtake Dwight Powell in one fell swoop? One game. We'll talk about that. Is this the best start to the season in the Luka era? Pretty interesting one. We'll ask the question, do the Mavericks run plays? That was a question that somebody asked that I found kind of interesting because of the drought that the Mavericks didn't score in the fourth quarter against the, the Lakers. The uh, Are we going to make any trades? You know, all those, all the trade kind of questions too. We'll answer some of those. But I want to start here. Who are the Mavericks' top five most important players 15 games into the season? 15 games in, 10 and 5. And Luca's obviously number one. You've got to start there. You end there. We were, you know, giving him a critiquing him yesterday for not scoring in the fourth quarter, for holding up the Mavericks, for kind of holding them hostage. It felt like at times offensively settling for shots. But if he's going to get all that blame in a game like that, he gets all the credit for where the Mavericks are right now. The Mavericks offense is incredible. Luka Doncic is the engine of that. The Mavericks have the second best, third best offense right now in the NBA, 120.5 points per 100 possessions. If you can hear that sound, it's my dog like itching on the on the ground. He had too many mashed potatoes today for Thanksgiving. Um, Luca is the most important player on the Maverick, bar none. It's it's him when he's defending, when he's playmaking, when he's making passes like he did against the Lakers, when he's scoring. Everything works for the Mavericks. It all rises and falls on Luka. He gets tons of blame. He gets tons of credit for it too. Most important Maverick by far. Like it's like we were talking about yesterday with me and and slightly. It's not even a 1A, 1B with Luka and Kyrie right now. It's a 1 and 2. Just very clearly, right? That Kyrie has not entered into the category of, oh, he's he's almost as important as Luka, right? The 1A, 1B. I would say that in Phoenix, you have Booker and KD. They're, I would say they're more of a 1A, 1B where they're both so important to that team, and they both you know carry carry big loads for that team. Uh, you could look at before the Harden trade, before all that. I would say Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were one A, one B for the Clippers' start to the season for sure. 
Uh, and then there's just clear ones, ones and twos. And like LeBron and AD are ones and twos. And, and that's fine. It's, it's fine for that to, to happen. But I thought maybe at, at a certain point we would see, oh, 1A, 1B, Kyrie's really stepping up. But Luke is just that good, man. He's just that good. It's so hard to catch him to do what he's doing right now. And Kyrie's kind of at a slow start to the season, at least for him. Now he's up to 24 points a game, up to about six assists, four rebounds, um, over over a steal, and only 1.7 turnovers, which is huge too. And he's got a better plus minus than Luca right now, as of as of right now. Um, but he's missed a couple of games, not shooting as well as we'd hope. But his three point percentage is now up to almost 40. percent So he's getting there. Kyrie is the second most important player on the Mavericks, though, for sure. There is some there is some talk that there are some other players that had maybe risen to the occasion and had maybe proved that they are more important, but Kyrie Irving is so important for the Mavericks. Case in point, think about when Luka and Kyrie both sit. Think about the games where Kyrie wasn't playing, the three games where Kyrie wasn't playing and Luka was out there. It's just a different beast. Like you're trying to figure out an impossible question because the Mavericks have not replaced him and replaced his scoring, replaced his playmaking, and replaced, honestly, his leadership on the court enough for you to feel good about it. Now, the Mavericks have actually won those minutes this season. They're off, their defense is actually really good when Luka and Kyrie both sit, but it hasn't been very often. It's only been 80 possessions. It's not enough for me to really know, oh, the Mavericks are, can still stay afloat without Luka and Kyrie on the court. Kyrie still runs things, and when Luka's off the court, the Mavericks have won minutes, which is huge. The Mavericks did not do that in past years. They did not win minutes when Luka sat, and their offense is 130 points per 100 possessions when Luka sits and Kyrie plays in almost 300 possessions. That's big. The offense does not fall off. It actually almost gets better when Luka sits, which is kind of wild. So that's why he's the second most important because the offense, it continues to go as the Mavericks go. Their offense runs the show as of right now. Just ask Jason Kidd. We're, we're right now at the point where we're allowing 120 and trying to score 130. That's what he said. The third most important Maverick. This is where it gets interesting, right? Let me know in the comment section who's your third most important Maverick. To me, I think it's very clearly Derek Lively. As soon as he went down with that injury, as soon as he was hanging on the rim, slipped off the rim, fell on his back, and was just holding his back in pain, you just feel it, right? Like there's a certain thing, it, like in the office when uh, Phyllis does that thing, don't think, just say, just say it, just say, don't, don't think about it, just say, what do you want to do with Jan? And Michael goes, I want to break up with Jan. Like that's his immediate gut reaction is like, I'm unhappy in this relationship and I want to break up. Right? Like you, you kind of have to do that with some people where you're like, all right, what does this person mean to me? I can't see myself without this person. Like I can't imagine my life without this person. You know, go the opposite end. Soon as Derek Lively goes down, you're like, okay, imagine the Mavericks without Derek Lively. Oh, that would suck. <laughs> right? Like that would suck worse than if they didn't have Grant Williams, they didn't have Tim Hardaway, if they didn't have Derek Jones Jr. Like it wouldn't suck as bad as if they didn't have Kyrie, which is why I still have Kyrie number two. Like if he missed some games. But if Derek Lively missed games, and he may with this injury, we'll see. He may sit out a game or two. Then that would be bad because he's been so important. I've been tracking the stat where the Mavericks defensive rating with Derek Lively on and off the court with and you know with Luka and Kyrie. So Luka and Kyrie and Derek Lively all on the court, all three of them. Basically the starting five unit. The Mavericks defense is 110.5 points allowed per 100 possessions. That's very good. That's excellent for the Mavericks. It's very good as a team. Their offense is still 100, about 120 points per 100 possessions, so they have a plus, plus, nine, uh, plus nine net rating, which is great. They're outscoring opponents. 
with Luka and Kyrie on the court and Derek Lively is off the court. So basically the end of the Lakers game the other day and a bunch of other games too. The Mavericks offense is about 118. So about the same, just about the same. Their offense stays the same. It actually gets a little worse, which is kind of interesting, but it's about the same. Their defense drops off a cliff when Lively's not on the court. With Luka and Kyrie and Lively all together, 110 points per hundred possessions. With Luka and Kyrie, but Lively is sitting, 127.5 points allowed per hundred possessions. Yeesh. That turns you into just like the worst defense in the in the NBA, which the Lakers game definitely is skewing this number. So it's not it's not this bad because that quarter was just so bad for the Mavericks and Lively didn't play that whole quarter. But a negative they literally go from a plus nine net rating to a minus nine net rating when when Derek Lively sits. To me, that me that makes him the third most important player. It's just very clear. Fourth most important player, Grant Williams. I'm putting him over Tim Hardaway. I have Tim Hardaway fifth, even though he's the third leading scorer on the team. Tim Hardaway is averaging 17 points a game, shooting really well. The Mavericks really love his volume shooting. With Grant Williams, though, you get that spacing, and you get that the spacing still that you get with Tim and the defense that he brings and his ability to you know get in the face of other guys. The his you know what he was doing the other night. Um, Grant Williams is averaging. Couple of assists. We've seen him have a couple of assists in games that are really important. Uh, he's got the best plus minus on the team too. So like he's doing stuff. He he's making after Grant, after Derek Lively actually. He's got the second best plus minus on the team. So like when he's playing, the Mavericks are winning those minutes. And I think there's a reason for that. I think his intangibles that he brings outweigh the extra scoring that Tim Hardaway Jr. can bring to you. And so for that reason, I'm picking Grant Williams. Then there's Tim Hardaway Jr. and I, he's fifth for me. He's above Derek Jones Jr. or Josh Green or um, you know, Dwight, Maxey, whoever else you want to name at this point. And it's just because of his volume scoring. Like he's just been so invaluable. Uh, 17 points a game, shooting almost, shooting just under 40% from three on nine attempts. It doesn't happen in the NBA very often. It's like him, Steph, like very few players get to that point. And so this is where we are with Tim Hardaway. He's been so valuable. He's the fifth most important Maverick. Coming up, let's talk about this backup center thing because Rashawn Holmes played really well against the Lakers. Derek Lively may miss a game. What did the Mavericks do? And did Rashawn Holmes just earn the backup center role? We'll talk about that and more coming up. Today's episode brought to you by Game Time. Game Time has you covered for all kinds of seats and tickets and all kinds of things that you want to go to on not just sports, but concerts. They have flash deals and all kinds of stuff too. Go to gametime.co or download the app. They have tons of different things. Ooh, Lakers at Mavericks. So the rematch of the game from the other night. They have tickets right now. That's December 12th. That's coming up. You can get tickets. There's tickets for like 100 bucks if you want to get that. Kirk Franklin is coming to town. You've got Creed, Blink-182 coming to town. All kinds of different stuff. The Nutcracker. You get tickets for the Nutcracker. It's really funny seeing like a picture of Creed right next to a picture of the Nutcracker, the musical on, on game time. But you can see that. You can see the view from your seat. You can see all kinds of other stuff too. Last minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. View, uh, Get your view from the seats. Lowest price guaranteed. Event cancellation protection, which is huge. Job loss protection, all that kind of stuff. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app. Create an account. Use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, Create an account, redeem the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off. Download the game time app. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Thanks everybody for hanging out with us on Lockdown Maps, being part of the show, part of the Raccoon Squad, listening every day, even on a Thanksgiving day. Appreciate each and every one of you guys that did that. All right, let's talk about Rajon Holmes. Rajon Holmes had a great game. 
against the Lakers the other night. He came in, scored a couple of points, four points, had 10 rebounds, which are huge. Three of them were on the offensive end, which the Mavericks desperately need. Got that huge block against Rui Hachimura and played just about 23 minutes. Had to play a lot of that fourth quarter where the Mavericks gave up the lead, but then eventually came back and ended up winning the game. He was massive, and I had called for his minutes. I was ready. I, we had seen enough from Dwight, and we had seen that the, the Dwight just wasn't working. The, the Dwight as at center only minutes were not working. The Maxi at center minutes only were not working. And so with Maxi injured, it's Rashawn Holmes' time. Jason Kidd called him up, and he decided to uh, play him, and it worked out really well for him. So, but does that mean that? Does that mean that that uh, Rashawn Holmes should have? The spot now. I think they should kill, They should go with it. Ride the wave, right? You've seen some positive backup center minutes. Now, we've seen a positive game or two from Dwight Powell. Let's not pretend that he hasn't been at least decent in some of these games. But he has been bad in a lot of the other games. And so, for that reason, I'm going to look at, at Dwight Powell and say, all right, scooch over. It's time to see Rashawn Holmes. Because the rebounding does look better. Even just in that game, in, even just in that game the other night. Dwight Powell played, he played five minutes. He didn't get a rebound. <laughs> um, but we've seen a bunch of games where Dwight just doesn't get rebounds. It doesn't affect shots. And Rashawn Holmes affected a couple of shots. That last second, LeBron James trying to inbound the ball, not inbound, but entry pass the ball to Anthony Davis. There's like a minute left or so. And Rashawn Holmes fronts him. Luca's on the side of him. Rashawn Holmes gets a hand on that. And I don't think Dwight Powell does. I watched it back in the, in the for subtext, I watched back that quarter. And I went and replayed that that play over and over again. You can get that film review, by the way, if you subscribe to the subtext. But I was watching that play over and over and over again. And like Dwight Powell doesn't get to that ball. He doesn't have the wingspan, doesn't have the, you know, the, the extra boost and the lift that Rashawn Holmes did. And it, it, sometimes defense is just that extra, just that little extra wingspan will make a huge difference. And so I think it's just stick with Rashawn Holmes. Ride the hot hand for a little bit. By the way, Dwight Powell is playing really good with Luca off the court this season, which is kind of weird. But so the question is now, if Derek Lively misses any time, this is another question that I got for the mailbag. If Derek Lively misses any time, what should the Mavericks plan be? The problem is if Derek Lively misses a game, miss a couple games, I don't think he's going to miss a ton. Like, I don't think he's going to miss weeks. Could be a game or two. They, they could decide to like, let him rest for an extra day. And he missed the Clippers game, especially since the Clippers want to play smaller. But if he sits for an, for an extra day or so, this the Mavericks should probably start Holmes. Dwight Powell will play a lot, and then we'll see what happens with Maxi. They tried to bring him back; it didn't really work, and so you know he's still out with an injury. So if Maxi isn't there, then all of a sudden you just have two centers, and <laughs> like that, that's all your bigs. Then it's time to bring up Omax because you just need more size anywhere. Like, can you get it anywhere? Maybe even bring up Greg Brown, the third, like from from the Texas Legends. He's blocking like four and a half shots a game in the G League. He's hitting some threes. Like you just need size anywhere at that point. And so it's time to bring up Omax then if, if Derek Lively does miss some time because then all of a sudden Lively's out, Maxie's out. You have Rashawn Holmes, you have Dwight Powell, but that's it. And now you're just, your team is just so small and you're sucking wind, which is why Derek Lively is the third most important player on the Mavericks. And so, yeah, I think that Rashawn Holmes has at least secured, he's secured... Not the backup center role for good, I don't think. From Jason Kidd. I'm saying from Jason Kidd's perspective. I don't think he's secured it for good, but I think he's he's earned the right to have some more time to show it again. See what you can do against another team. See what you can do against a team that's not the Lakers, not an Anthony Davis that doesn't look interested, you know, not like a Jackson Hayes, not 
Christian Wood, not that center rotation, but a different one. Let's see what he does against Zubats if he plays against him. Let's see what he does against, what's their next game? The Rockets, Shangoon. Like, let's see what he does against them. Let's see what he does against uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. and the Grizzlies next and the Thunder with um, Chet and, you know, with those guys. So I think he's earned the right for more playing time. I think he's earned the right to try it out. And I think he brought some good stuff to the table. Like I said, his rebounding was good. The thing that stood out to me is his Gortat screens. A Gortat screen is when, you know, Derek Light or Rashawn Holmes comes up and sets a screen for Luca or a ball handler. And then as soon as they roll to the rim, if there's not anything there, so they can't get a, you know, an alley-oop or a, a shot at the rim or anything like that, they just go to the one of the players in the paint and kind of screen up like towards the free throw line. And then that leaves space and that allows, it basically is like an offensive lineman, like blocking downfield, <laughs> except for he's the opposite way. And so he just, you block a guy downfield in, in, into the paint. And Luca gets an open layup. And he got that three times. And I think that chemistry already is, is just great stuff. Luca just Luca turns any of these guys into good rollers, good rim runners. Like, you know, <laughs> we're seeing with, with Christian Wood, like he's just not getting as many opportunities, even with LeBron, as he did with Luca. But so I, I think that the Mavericks can can benefit from that. And hey, it's good that just we can see we've seen Rashawn Holmes and we've seen that he can give a little bit of something. And if he can give a little something, then that helps the Mavericks going forward because then that's not just dead weight on the end of the bench. But if Lively does miss some some time, this is the plan, I think. Start Rashawn Holmes, Dwight Powell has to come off the bench, bring up Omax, and you've got to play him because you just need size. You need it really bad. All right, coming up, let's get into a couple more questions. This is the best start of the Luka era. Um, anything about trades, got a bunch of questions like that. And so let's talk about all that coming up. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel has all kinds of props, odds, lines, over-unders, all kinds of stuff like that that you can get into in the holiday season. The NFL, hope you put some money down on the money line for the Cowboys because, man, they're just rolling at this point. You can put down money on the NBA, on the NFL, all kinds of different stuff. Go check out and see what they have available. They don't have any Mavericks games right now, but they've got Pelicans at the Clippers. Pelicans six-point underdog at the Clippers. Clippers all of a sudden have started to put it together. But if you want to put down some money on the Pelicans, let's say you're saying, all right, well, I, I don't think they'll win this game. And you want to put down some money on the money line. Pelicans are plus 195. So you got some good odds there. And if you put down you put down five bucks on any winning money line bet, you can get $150 in bonus bets if you win. So if that Pelicans line wins or any of the other ones that you decide to do wins, you can get $150 in bonus bets. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn kickoff. The NBA season as it continues on. The NFL season continues on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Shut it down! Let's go Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us on Lockdown Maps, being part of this show. All right, Isaac. (laughs) Let's get into some more questions that you guys sent to me on subtext, the the texting uh, service where I send you guys Mavs info and stuff like that. Is this the best start to the season? In the Luka era, great question. The Mavs, according Mavs and just Mavs history, have been ten and five to start the season fifteen times. It's a pretty good amount of times. Ten and five or better. They've never missed the playoffs after starting ten and five. That's good to know. They did go nine and six to start the season last year, and then they missed the playoffs, obviously. And then they went nine and six in nineteen eighty nine, and they missed the playoffs that that season too. So they're not too far off that. But this would be the best start to the season. If the, Maver- if the Mavericks missed the playoffs, this would be the best start to the season they've ever had where they missed the playoffs. So, cool. 
This is the most points total the Mavericks have scored through 15 games by 52 points. They've scored 1,823 points so far this season. In 1986, they scored 1,771 points. Points are just coming fast and furious right now at this point. Uh, That doesn't really mean a whole lot, but it just means the Mavericks are are scoring a ton of points. They started 10-5. and So in the Luka era, though, is this the best start so far? Well, the Mavericks started 10-5 and in 2019-2020 in that season. That was the first year the Mavericks made the playoffs with Luka. That was the first year with Porzingis. That was the first year where the Mavericks actually, like, you know, uh, like gave Luka the reins for the whole season. And he was, like, the guy running the ship because that was the year, that was his second year, the year after his rookie year. That season, so the second year of Luka's tenure with the Mavericks, that was the year that they went, they started the season actually 16-6. and six. That was the, the best start to their season. And then they lost in six games to the Clippers. KP only played three games in that six-game series, if you remember that. But they finished that season 43-32 and 32 in that one. And uh, and so, yeah, that, that was the best start to the season so far. But now, like, I think you can make a case this is a better start. The Mavericks' offensive rating is 120.8, according to, to basketball reference. It's 5.7 points per 100 possessions better than last season. <laughs> And they had a good offense last season. Their offense is just humming. I mean, you'd expect so with Luka and Kyrie out there. And so, but their offense has just been so good. So you can make a case that, all right, well, if their offense is just that much better than it has been in the past, it's the best best offensive start Luka's ever had in his career, team-wise. Then you could say it is. The problem is, their defense is so bad. It's their worst defensive rating to start the season in 15 games. In the Luka era, according to basketball reference, by seven and a half points. It's crazy. It's crazy how much worse their defense is. Now, defense is worse across the board total. Like, defense for everybody is, is bad across the board. So, like, everybody has declined. The best defensive rating teams are would not have been in the top, like, ten, like, five or six, seven years ago. Because offenses are just so much better, right? You can't have the crazy offenses and have the same crazy defenses on the same side. It just doesn't work anymore like that. Guys are too efficient. Guys are too good and all that. So you you have a great offensive rating so far. The Mavericks offense has been incredible. Their defense has been really bad. Their, their worst defense by seven and a half points to start the Luka, to, like in the Luka era. Got a lot of work there to work on. and uh, But still, a, a really great start. So is this the, is this the best start in the Luka era? I'd say yes. Yeah, I'll go with yes. I'll go with yes. Sure, why not? A couple more questions here from you guys. Here's a, a question like right after the Lakers game, which I found really funny. Somebody texted me, do we run any plays at all? How do we avoid scoring droughts like this? LMAO. I don't think they were LMAOing. I think they were actually like furiously typing is what I think this person was. The Mavericks obviously run plays. They run a lot of pick and rolls. They run a lot of double drags. They run a lot of like flare screens and, you know, things like that. Like they run a lot of different things like that. The NBA, most teams run kind of the same stuff. The problem with the Mavericks, and when I went back and watched that fourth quarter again and sent it to everybody, the problem that the Mavericks had is that they just got, they just settled. They got complacent. They didn't run much. It was just Luka with the ball and then Luka takes a shot or, they haphazardly try something and like kind of run the clock down and then just kind of put up a shot, right? You got to run something. You got to go out there and you got to, all right, take control. 
call some plays, not just rely on Luca himself to try and win the game for everybody, right? It, it just seemed like that. Like, all right, if I hit a couple of these shots, we'll be okay. Well, he didn't hit any of those shots, right? He hit one jumper. He hit one field goal in that whole fourth quarter against the Lakers. So how do they avoid scoring droughts like that? Luca's got to share the ball a little bit more. When him and Kyrie started sharing the ball a little bit more, it got a little bit better in that fourth. They started to, they started to score at least a couple of baskets. But they've got to move the ball a little bit. Other guys have to touch the ball. And that's sort of the whole thing with this Mavericks offense is every once in a while, it's okay to still run the Luka ISO heavy me with the ball. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to break down the defense. I'm going to find a mismatch and attack. Like that, they've, gotta, they've still got to be good at that because that's the stuff that's going to come back in the playoffs. That's the stuff that wins playoff games and playoff series. The problem is when you try that over and over and over again, and then all of a sudden you kick over to Grant Williams, Grant Williams hasn't touched the ball in 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, like it just is not, there's not good enough rhythm. And that's what happened at the end of last year too, where guys didn't touch the ball for forever. And all of a sudden you're like, why are these guys not shooting well from three? Well, they don't touch the ball for 10 minutes. And then that, that doesn't help, right? It's maybe not the reason why, but it definitely doesn't help. And so how do you not, how do you avoid scoring drafts like this? Move the ball a little bit more, run some more stuff here or there and don't settle. Don't settle for stuff, especially if you've, you've missed a bunch of times. Felt like in that fourth quarter, like Luca missed a couple of shots, and then he goes, all right, what if this three goes in? <laughs> You're like, okay, it'd be cool. be really cool if that three went in, but if it doesn't, then all of a sudden you dug a hole worse than it was before. Then the Lakers take the lead, and you're like, okay, now we actually have to get something done here. That's how they avoid scoring drives, I think. They're not going to have that many this season, and it, it stood out so much because they haven't had any real scoring drives like that. The Kings game and then the Lakers game, it felt like the only games were like, all right, we're struggling to score because second night of a traveling back-to-back and then the Lakers game is just, I can't even explain <laughs> why it was that bad. Uh, let's do let's do one last question. So I get a ton of questions about trades. It's just, it's a little too early to do the, what's one trade the Mavericks are going to do? Like, I, I don't know. Like you can say, all right, well, who on the Bulls can the Mavericks, we've done the thing like, who on the Bulls should the Mavericks trade for? Are they can they could go after Caruso? They could go after Levine if you want to. You can go after Drummond, like you could try that kind of stuff. But right now, I, I don't know what assets the Mavericks could give that, that teams are really interested in that would move the needle for the Mavericks. If they got Caruso, would it move the needle enough to give up one of their few future assets that they have right now? That's the thing you have to weigh. That's the thing Nico Harrison is weigh is weighing right now. And we there's just not enough teams that are outside of outside of like contention right now. That are making that are gonna make a ton of moves are gonna sell off guys all of a sudden. But the question that I got that I, I will answer, are we at the point that we should entertain trades of assets to add players at needed positions? It's a good question. Do you feel good enough about the Mavericks right now to say that they should they should start? All right, it's time to to add and it's time to buy. As much as you love Derek Lively, as much as we think he's the center of the future. I don't know how far you can get in the playoffs with Derek Lively as your starting center, with a rookie as your starting center. It just doesn't happen very often. Even like Aiton when he went to the finals with the Suns, it took him a couple took him a couple years and to get CB3 and all that. And so I don't know if you're ready to like go, you're not going to go all in. So it's not like, all right, let's take all the assets we have. Hardy, you know, uh, the 2027 first, couple of seconds, Omax, you know, maybe Josh Green, even though he's a poison pill contract right now, which means... The Mavericks can tr- they can trade him, but they his outgoing salary is bigger than what the Mavericks can take in, so it's really hard. You got to basically trade him to somebody with cap space, and that's kind of hard to do. And so, 
is this team good enough for you to just blow all those assets or, or give up all those assets and, and like try to move forward? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I think you still got to figure out what you have right now. You've still got more questions to answer. I would say no at this point. Unless it's like a second or something. Wait till the trade, de- at least wait till the trade deadline. See what's available then. See where the team is at that point. Because you don't want to blow one of those assets early and then all of a sudden somebody's available at the trade deadline where you go, dang, wouldn't it be cool if we had a first to send because this player's available, you know, an Aaron Gordon type is available and you're like, dang, that guy, that guy would have been perfect for the Mavs, but we wasted it on this, you know, trading for Andre Drummond. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's where we are right now. Let's just wait for, till the field, you know, th- th- there's more players in the field and all that trying to, uh, you know, trying to get traded and the teams are, are ready to trade at that point. That's where I am with it. Uh, we'll still talk about trade targets and, and players the Mavericks could trade for. So we'll talk about that. But there you go. We'll be back. Uh, I think me and Slightly will be on the post-game show after the Clippers game on Saturday. So enjoy that one. And then obviously we'll be back on Sunday night with Reggie uh, Atatula. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Peace out. Boom!